Welcome, this is Tapping into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Manja Eland and I am Linda Rosen. We are your hosts. Hi, Linda. So glad to be here again today. Can you uh, tell us a bit about today's episode? Yeah. Well, before we started recording this episode, I felt a little bit in doubt and maybe felt a little bit uncomfortable because we were going to try something new. And the new about this episode is that instead of having a clear role as interviewer, we were going to talk to a teacher who we've been working with for 10 years, Klaas Dijkstra. And what was so uncomfortable is that we were starting to talk about a project that we were both very much part of. Yes. So the role of just being an interviewer and asking questions like you didn't know already, we let that one go. And we just tried to have a really nice conversation, mm-hmm. which I hope that would work. If I speak for my, I, I think it did work, actually. It, it had a very nice flow. I recognize uh, the apprehension you're describing in getting started. But it also sparked an awareness that how important it is to take some time to really reflect on your own experiences. Yeah, It was very lovely to be part of this conversation. I definitely think so, because in the days that you are running around trying to organize things, you don't take time as easily to sometimes stand still, look around and wonder where you are now and how you came there. And I think this conversation really took that into the present. Yeah, it did. So I can now wholeheartedly say I'm quite proud of our work and I'm very happy that we can share that with the world. Yeah. So to our listeners from both of us this time, we really hope you enjoy this episode. Let us know how you felt about it by responding to it or giving it a review so that you are going to tell us if this was a success way of style of conversation or that you think that we should never try it again. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, please let us know. <laughs> Hello everybody. Today we are together with three people. And it's a bit different than the other episodes that you're used to, because today we are going to talk about Teacher Arts Partnership, of which we are a part ourselves. And Manja and I, Linda, we are both artists in this project, Chilling with Erfgoed, Chilling with Heritage in English. And we have also with us our partner teacher. Can you please introduce yourself, Klaas? Yes, hi. Uh, I'm Klaas. I'm a teacher from the beautiful city Utrecht. I'm 43 years old and I've been teaching for quite a while uh, now. And yeah, we know each other a few years uh, now. And I'm a father of two children, which I really like to tend to. So I don't work full time nowadays, but I'm also the daddy who's on the other side of the playground and walks into the school to talk to the teacher and stuff like that, which I really enjoy. And next to that, my hobby is collecting final records. 
And so music is a very big part of my life. I really enjoy listening to music, going to concerts and collecting final records. So, yeah. That's very nice. I um, remember because our partnership, as you were saying, has been going on for 10 years now. I remember you also make music and do it a lot in the classroom. Is that correct? Well, I'm not doing it in the classroom that much because I still don't feel that confident about my singing. And somehow I feel more yeah, more at ease and more in my comfort zone when doing yeah, physical arts, um, the projects that yeah, we do together. And music, yeah, the children all know that music to me is important. And I have a guitar in my classroom, but somehow that's the thing that gets skipped instead of the physical art classes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big thing, isn't it? Uh, self-awareness when making music. Yes. Manja, can I also invite you, because the listeners have met you before in our other podcast, but in this project you had a different role. Can you say something about that? In this project, I was invited to be the artist. I have a background in visual arts. I once graduated uh, art school with making stop motion animations with shadow. So I was working with the overhead projector. Everything I would come across, I would hold up to the light to see how much light would go through, how many tints of gray and black I could make with that. Making it into little stories. So I guess you could say about my work and also my personality, everything is interlinked. I am very fond of visual arts, drawing, stories and imagination. And on a more personal note, two kids at home, one cat, and 42 <laughs> years old. <laughs> okay, thank you. So um, I was also part in this project. Yes, what was your role? I initiated the project in the beginning by meeting our other partner, because there's three partners in this partnership. We also work together with heritage organization called Dam Under in the city of Utrecht. And the Dam Tower is a very large tower in Utrecht for a church. And underneath that square, you will find excavation where they have excavated 2000 years of history of the city of Utrecht. And Tijn Pieren is the project lead from that organization. We were talking one day and they really wanted to work with artists to revamp their education program for children. And of course, we always like creating new projects and creating education and designing stuff. So I was initially a project lead, but also my background in arts. I'm a designer. I design fashion in the past. At the moment, I work as a goldsmith as my creative endeavor. And so I was also in some classes, the artist who was working with the children, but it was a different school than the one that class is working on. So now that we know a little bit about all of us, maybe you should give a bit of an overview of what this project is about. So Chilling with Heritage is the title. And let me begin with the first word, chilling. Why chilling? In the past, Manja and I created an educational program called Chilling with Art which is a combination of mindfulness and art appreciation. And in starting from a mindfulness exercise, you clear your head and you gain more space to consider art or look at art with more open mind. And in that, you get the chance to form your own opinion before you start talking 
are reacting to it with classmates in a group. So that's the first word. And the good thing is actually this toolbox was piloted at class as well. Yes. Oh, I would really like, class. could you share a little bit about your experience with this chilling in a classroom before we dive into the rest of the project? I've been piloting the first exercises before they were an actual uh, toolbox. And I've done so with a, with a lot of joy. The, the first few times, well, you had to motivate the children to try to get into themselves, to close their eyes and just sit back and relax and there was like this voice over that talked you through the whole exercise and then there was the first voice was a bit of a laugh for the children so I guess the voice over changed since then but I found it for myself very peaceful the kids really quieted down during the mindfulness exercise and that's also what they gave me in return when reflecting on it pretty much all of them said like yeah i feel much calmer than five minutes ago before i've done the exercise and then after the mindfulness exercise we got to do either art dance like the evolving statues that they had to move with the picture and change from a pose to pose or look at a picture and respond to some questions that I asked. And you got to dive pretty deep into an image or a, a statue or anything. And I found it quite easy to keep on going and extracting answers from the classroom. There was yeah quite a good participation. Some children stayed a bit more to the background, kept quiet a bit, but there were always a few that kept on going and had really interesting thoughts about yeah what we were discussing and what we were seeing so that was yeah I really enjoyed it a lot that's nice to hear that you enjoy it in the classroom and it helps the children I think part of what you said there what I really enjoy is that children even if they are still a bit more quiet than the other ones everybody in working with this tool has the chance to first form their own idea fantasize a little bit about what they are seeing and give meaning to what they are seeing by themselves before we explain what we are looking at. Even sometimes we don't even explain what we are looking at. Yeah, it's just looking at the art that we see in front of us and then form our own opinion without explaining the background of the artist or the actual title of the mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this is also a big thing in the project Chilling with Heritage. Because the excavations that the Dom Under has underneath the square, there was a tour where children were told what they were looking at instead of first letting your imagination run wild about, for example, there's a piece of something that used to be a street. And in that piece of rock, you see a little paw of a cat. And of course, some Probably when, I don't know how it got there, actually. (laughs) But it's a fun thing to get children engaged and to ask them, like, what do you think about this? And what do you think this little thing that you're looking at, why did it happen? Is there a story? Can you tell us how it was created? Because then their imagination takes over and they start getting engaged with heritage. And this was a main part, I think, of the project. During the project, which exists of five lessons, One of those lessons is a visit to the excavation place, but the other four lessons are in the classroom. And we have three of these chilling exercises and also another 
think that's a big part of this project is the timeline. Maybe Manya, you can take over and explain a little bit about the timeline. Our thought was we wanted to raise awareness that we are part of history, just living our everyday lives. So we have a bit of a quote for our project that is travel through time, starting from the here and now. What I do today is tomorrow's history. So with everything I do today, I am making a bit of future. So this means for the children that I have an impact with what I do and what choices they make. So our starting point is getting curious about the history of our city, which we are also celebrating this year as city rights for 900 years. And we are exploring them under the excavation site. They're doing their own research online, following their own curiosity and are guided in that by a heritage expert. And then the artist comes in and it's like your zero point, you're in the here and now. And from that point, you get to look into the future and think about what your own wishes and desires or dreams for that future of our town are. So that's when we challenge them creatively to build something, to make something out of that. We create an open space where they can use any material or technique they want and facilitate them in that. And I really get to dream about things that could be. Yeah. And another thing that is also a big part of this project is that we start with the children and their house because they are part of the story of our city. And their house is most of the times is standing in the city. So to make them aware that they are as much part of the city as, for example, the dumb church is. And so the children are invited to go to their house and find their family treasures. And if at all possible, take them to the school. And uh, we start creating the timeline in the classroom so that the children are aware that they are part of that timeline and they build on their own personal timeline with stories from the city. So if we go back in time a little bit, before all these plans and the practicalities were there, we had a co-designing process, which would be very interesting to share about maybe. How did we come by all these ideas? How did they come into being? Klaas, how did you experience the co-creation process we did together with Tom Under? Linda and me were there from our artist perspectives and you were there together with Gabi from another school in a teacher role. How was this experience for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt kind of familiar because we've done so together in the past with teachers from my school and uh, together with you. It was a next step up. It was because there was another partner, the Dumb Under, and... Well, the project started with you. You came to us if we were interested in uh, doing this project. And, well, yes, to have the children look in a different light at their own city and their own future, that stuck to me. So I thought, yeah, this is something that I would like to uh, to be a part of. And, yeah, I think I've been looking at it from the teacher point of view and how are the plans that are, are the ideas that are coming up? How can they be done in a classroom? Is everything possible or is this maybe a bridge too far? And to be critical about these parts. And I think also the excavations, um, that was a part that I thought that I would like to trigger the children in all those layers of excavation, all those years back in history, because yeah, it pretty much starts at Roman times and then Every layer is a bit more close to today. And I thought I would really like to see that in the project. And I think that's clearly visible. And it was extra nice being underground with Dumb Under to actually see those layers all on top of each other again. 
I've seen it before, but now it made a bit of extra impact on me. And I also hope yeah, on my pupils. That's very interesting to hear that it also affected you to be part of this project, how you now look different at the layers and the time travel that you do through those layers. Yeah, you really get to travel through time. Yeah. I also would like to uh, mention we had an extra expert. Sila Arjosumitu was also part of our co-creation team. And she really helped us with having a good look at diversity and inclusion so that the children would be as much part. And not to forget, we asked the children, of course, to be part of the co-creation team by responding, which was actually hilarious. Because what we did was we had some questions we wanted to ask them about the design of this project and the children could respond which how they felt about our choices and in the beginning we thought it was a good idea to mix classes for example and to work with different age groups and i remember in one of the sessions that the children just were like why would you do that <laughs> why would you mix us we are quite happy in our class so please don't so okay we didn't <laughs> Yeah, and also on another interesting note, it's something they uh, reflected on was we had some very, well, I would say nice ideas, which they thought were very nice, but they were extracurricular. They were outside of school. Mm, yeah. So we learned from that that whatever you design, it will feel like homework. Don't go there. <laughs> Even if it's a nice uh, hiking trail through the city and discovering and being an adventurer, no, homework. <laughs> I still think it's a good idea, but I think you should spread that out through the parents, that it's like a thing that they can do in the weekend, that they don't even notice that they're actually doing extracurricular stuff. That's a very interesting point of view. So you say just invite the parents, create something for the parents to do with their children that they can do in the weekend. Yeah, because now that way those ideas won't be lost. Yeah. It's a good thought. We should take that with us. So what I really liked about our last edition, which was with your class and another class from the Pelstart class, was that I had the pleasure of being in your classroom three times. Could you share a little bit about how it is as a teacher to invite other people into your classroom and to work to create an environment together and teach together? Yeah, the funny thing is that We started at the very first day after the summer holidays, so that we had a Mm -hmm. jumped in right at the beginning of the school year. I noticed, I read my email in the last week of the summer holidays that we could do the project, but start the very first day of the school year. I thought, oh yeah, that's at least a nice thing to do because you have those days, you have to start up. And well, the thing is, I have the same pupils that I had last year. So I already knew them and I was like, yeah, sure, we are going to do this very nice way to start the year. And I think, well, mostly that's my way of looking at other people coming into my classroom. I'm like, yeah, sure. I think you're very welcome and do your thing. And I'm always interested in their thing. And for me, it's easier. It feels a part of my day, but also I learn from it and I get to observe my own pupils and on how they respond to these kind of lessons and digging into themselves and their past and the past of the city. So I always like having people come over and work with our pupils. And if I jump out a bit of 
this project and talk about ITAPD, which this podcast is part of. Does it make a difference for you, class, as a teacher? In this case, you work with Manya, who you've, of course, built trust with, built relationship with over the last 10 years. What's the difference for you in working with somebody that you know well, that you trained with, instead of working with somebody who you've never met coming into your classroom? Yeah, I think the obvious things, you already know the person quite well and you know what to expect. You already have a lot of common history and also a lot of positive projects from the past. So yeah, expectations are high and you also know how the person is. So it's quite easy to interact also If you're not on the school, we've got each other's phone number so we can text each other. So those lines are solid and easy to walk on. And there's always the possibility to ask something. Is is, is this ready or do you have that at school? And so I think that it's a very smooth thing. And if you get a total new person in front of you uh, in your classroom, you have to find out how these things will be, for instance, there's a new projects going on at this very moment in my classroom, this, which is what we've done it a few years ago. And due to COVID, it didn't get a follow-up. But now we finally get to do that one for a second time as well. And they work with artists as well. And the organizer of these are both artist and teacher in secondary school. But they wanted to really do this project again and now i've got an artist in my classroom which i didn't meet beforehand and i think because well yeah i'm I'm pretty easygoing i think so the contact is good but it's on a different level and if we got to work a few times after this then i think more solid connection will be now there are still small organizational things that you have to solve at the very moment they're happening in our project because we know each other quite well already then you know what to expect and i think that's a big difference and in this new project that is now going on the idea is very good i think but I hope the outcome will be as nice as well. And I'm, yeah, we still have a few weeks to work, but I'm just, yeah, we're just going to have to find out. Yeah, I really recognize what you say, class, that you build a solid connection. So it feels like a very easy, natural flow. Also, when in the classroom, it doesn't feel like I'm coming there to do something, but it feels like we're carrying it together. And one look or one word is enough to maybe make a little twist and turn if, to adapt to what the class needs in that moment. Yeah. So I really like that about working together with trusted partners who you can really build a relationship with. Because for me, I come in classes a lot. You are the one that knows the children very well. So if we have a good connection together, it's easier to lift up the children, to stretch them in their possibilities and to really do as much as is possible in the context. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So talking about this long partnership that we had I think it would be very interesting to share class, if you can, how does it work in your school? Because your school gives a lot of space to art and creativity. Can you give some tips or insights to our listeners about if they want to have more art and creativity in the class, how they should go about that? I don't really know if I can give any tips, but I think you have to have a vision about how much you want the arts classes to be part of your education curriculum. And 
we specifically chose to do this. I think our partnership already started way before we actually, as a school, made it part of our three pillars that we build our education on, which, yeah, the arts is one of the three main pillars to stimulate creativity. And yeah, I think as a team, you have to agree on this. And well, I also like to have, how do you say it? The school management? Yeah, school management, you have to have them behind the idea. And I think then you can make it quite a big part of your educational routine. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember from your school, uh, you have a very enthusiastic director, Michiel. And of course, before that, uh, you had Maria, mm-hmm. who we started the partnership with. Yeah. But now having a heart for culture and creativity is even a part of the applications that teachers, like in the profile that you ask for when you have an opening, right? Yeah, but haven't been part of the interviews for uh, when there are applications. I think it gets mentioned every time and it's definitely in the application online. So you can read that. So you do have to commit yourself to that part of the school and uh, our system. Yeah. Yeah. So at risk of going a little bit off topic, uh, Linda, because I know you're well informed about possibilities we have in the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. how things are structured and organized. And I know we have many international listeners comparing countries and how do things work and what can we take away from that? Could you share a little bit about our Dutch system of funding the culture and arts? As far as I know and the other countries I've visited in education systems, the Dutch education system is the most decentralized, which has a very big impact on how you can fund creativity and culture in a school. What do I mean by decentralized? We have a very rough curriculum And schools are allowed to decide how they want to meet that curriculum. So many schools choose different methods and different ways of teaching, different styles of pedagogy. But also you can have one school where children work through teams and all the classes are connected to the theme. And you have math classes learning about, for example, trades. So you start up a little shop and then in another class you would learn about how to make a commercial and stuff. But another school might be where all the subjects are completely separated. So there's a big freedom that schools have in choosing how to connect or how to teach children what they should learn. When you relate this to the question of funding, that also means that schools have a very big freedom to choose how they want, how much art they want to add to their program, but also how they want to do it. Maybe they want to focus on theater, maybe they want to focus on music or visual arts, and they can choose their own partners. There's a lot of organizations in the Netherlands that work fully on art education or maybe have a little sidetrack. For example, we have youth theater organizations who make wonderful theater shows aimed at youth, but they also create educational programs to go with their shows. So as a cultural organization or as an educational organization, a school, you can find many ways to fund your programs or your ideas. There's a big part that is governmental. So in politics, they decide what they want to focus on for the next four to eight years. And then if you have a plan connecting to that policy, then you can ask for funding. 
For example, this project that we do now, Chilling with the Heritage, is mainly funded by a program about heritage education. So we applied for funding to be able to do this project. And from this funding, we are able to pay the artist, to pay them under, and to facilitate the whole process. And schools asked to join. They only pay a small fee for the whole program. Teachers add some of their hours. And if we're very happy with the director of the Pelstaat, are enthusiastic. They are allowed to spend some of their working hours on the project. So nobody has to do this voluntarily. And that's, um, I think, a big luxury that we have in the Netherlands. And then there's also the private funding options. So this project was also funded by VSB Foundation and by KF Hein Foundation. And um, Fonds for Cultuurparticipatie, VSB, as we said, yes. local government, Gemeente Utrecht, uh, chipped in as well. Prins Bernhard Cultuurfonds. KF Heinfonds en Gravin van Bijland Stichting. Thanks. So this project was also funded by the VSB Foundation, KF Hein, Gravin van Bijland Stichting, and the local municipality, Gemeente Utrecht, also added up, which helps a lot with creating these wonderful projects. And I hope they really enrich the curriculums in schools. And after this project, we aim to spread the knowledge that we gained and the lesson plans so that other organizations can also be inspired by it. So that's also a show and tell in the whole system. Yeah. Yes, I would like to add in though, there are many possibilities, but it does require a proactive, maybe even entrepreneurial mind to always make sure you stay in touch with what options there are. Yes. And that you imply in time and that you think ahead. Yes, there are many chances, but it's not like a laid back and everything will come to us. No, no, definitely not. No, in this case, this project started because I had a very nice conversation with Tijn van Dong Under on a whole different subject. I met him through my studies, but we met and we felt we could work together. We could help them with more creative education program and they could help us with actually testing if our project Chilling with the Arts is also applicable to other subjects. And I also remember when I was looking for schools that would be interested that Michiel from the Pelstart, the director, was really enthusiastic because they really wanted to see how they could bring the city into the school so that the education would be more related to the reality that the children are living in. So, yeah, you have to connect the dots, I guess, and you have to be very proactive because if we didn't create this plan, it wouldn't happen. Good thing to know and to share. So if I may ask a question again, because I was thinking we now we just finished one round. We had a really nice celebration. I'm really curious, zooming in for all of you, what were the favorite moments? Something, a little spark, something that happened that really struck a chord. Well, I really, really, really enjoyed the visit to Dam Under this whole morning because I thought, well, if we're going there, we're just gonna walk into town because school is a 20 minute walk from Dam Under. And I thought we we're gonna walk through the beautiful city of Utrecht where we all live in, but we take for granted so much, at least I think a lot of the pupils uh, do. And yeah, we just walking on a very sunny morning. That was a good start of the day. And I also had in mind next to the Dom Square, there's a small hidden garden um, with some 
it's like in Harry Potter, all the hallways, uh, <laughs> very old, it's part of the old dumb church. It's a herbs garden. And I already thought I, I want to go and have the morning snack down there with the whole class and read from a book by a Dutch writer about the moment that the dumb church collapsed during the storm so many years ago. And I really hoped for that moment to be a very nice moment. And it really was. The children were thoroughly enjoying the whole visit. And also that moment, I was just sitting there, tourists were walking behind my back and all the children were in front of me. And I was reading the pages from the book about the storm and the collapse of the church. And I found that a very rich moment with my children. And also the rest of the visit was very well structured because it was in 15 minute blocks. And I think they all got a lot of information from different points of views in those 15 minutes. They were 15 minutes on the ground. They were 15 minutes uh, walking along highlights around the square with a person. And they had a movie with a timeline, which showed a lot from Roman history until recent years. I think for the children, it wasn't boring for one second. It was totally inspiring all the time. So that was, I think, my highlight of this project. That's very nice to hear. For me, the highlight would be in the classroom after the visit. So in the first lesson, the children start with their own timelines. And they start building with what they already know about the city timeline. Then the second class is in Dam Under, where they do exactly what you just described so beautifully, class. And in the third class, the teacher will be there, the artist will be there, and one of the heritage experts from Dam Under will be there in the classroom. And it's a lesson in which they go and explore the history and enrich in the timeline with what they learned and what they are learning in that lesson. And they are researching the internet, they ask questions, and we help them trying to find answers to those questions. And I always try to spark the creativity and the curiosity in children. And I just had the most wonderful questions that were aimed at me. So there was one group and they came to me and uh, in the Netherlands, we celebrate Sinterklaas, which is uh, St. Nicholas. And in the story of Dom Under, they learn about St. Willibrod. And Willibrod is one of the holy... Uh, it's the patron saint of the city of Utrecht. Yeah, and he started in 900, I think, after Christ. He started to build the first church in the city and exactly the same spot as Dam Under is in and the Dam Church is in now. And what I really loved is that these children came to me and they're like, yeah, but Linda, yeah, do you think Sinterklaas and St. Willibrod are brothers? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just caught me by surprise. So I was laughing because it's just one of those questions that they are very open-minded and wondering and we sparked their curiosity. So I responded with a question. So I'm like, so... What do you think makes somebody a saint? Why are they both called saints? So they went back on their little exploration online. And step by step, they found out that they were not brothers, even though they were both saints. And I had many more of these questions, which surprised me because I just love curiosity. And also the personal engagement of the children with the story of the city. For example, we also have horrible history in the Netherlands, of course, like everywhere we had wars and other horrible stuff. But there was also a group very invested in the fact that there's been a space and time where on the Dom Square, 
people were convicted and hanged for the fact that they were homosexuals. And the bafflement and the anger that these children were experiencing and showing me at this horrible fact was so genuine and so they were so involved in this story that it should never happen again. It felt really personal. And I think the whole way this project is set up, it helps children get personally involved with these kind of stories. And you need that to make sure that it doesn't happen again, the horrible things. So I think those two things are what surprised me the most. Nice. Thank you for sharing. I think it's so powerful. This also links back to the giving them a sense of creating our own future and having an impact there. I have to correct myself <laughs> because <laughs> Willy Brod was not a patron saint. It's St. Martin is the patron saint. Willy Brod was one of the church leaders. Yeah. So. Oh, of course. You're correcting me as well. <laughs> Thanks for that. Manja, what's your highlight? I really liked, well, there are two moments, actually. So there's this moment when I introduce all the materials that we bring in and sketch way too many possibilities for them to get started. And then there's this little moment of vacuum or emptiness or limbo where you think, oh, dear, now I've thrown too much at them. What is going to happen? And then they sort of pick out their own things, create their own thing and really get going. So I liked the curiosity and tension of that moment just before things move into action yeah. <laughs> but then later on in the process there, there you have all these little groups of free children creating very diverse things and I am of course walking and assisting uh, so is class actually and hearing little snippets of stories and then in the last class when they're all in their own flow of creating I went around and did little tiny mini interviews asking well tell me what am I seeing here tell me about your artwork tell me about your thoughts behind them And that really displayed an involvement and a depth of thought about the future that was really touching to hear. So actually for our Dutch listeners, it's possible we recorded everything, we put it on a website, we'll put in the show notes, like an audio tour. Mm -hmm. Even for the international listeners, the audio might not be so helpful, but you can still look at the works that were made, the manifest. Yes, definitely. And it's really, it shows that... The whole project, so also the, the questions they're asking when they're doing research and the little things they're bringing from home to make a personal timeline. Everything is built or designed in a way to facilitate a real close connection to history and personal history. And I think the moments we are naming are all moments that we really feel connected. Yeah. And that makes me proud, I guess. That's nice. Yeah. We've had a quite a long conversation already talking about this project. So maybe we should round off. But before I do so, I had always asked the question, Klaas, I'm starting with you. Is there anything that we didn't talk about yet that you feel is important for our listeners to share? Well, just hearing you both talk about the highlights and mine as well, I think a lot of the highlights just happened on the spot and weren't thought of beforehand just like the mini interviews they actually happened because some other thing just didn't work i guess and so suddenly mini interviews were happening and also the thing that i described about taking the class to the herbs garden and just read to them there they were not a part of the project beforehand but there's this space that you can claim for yourself and your own ideas and also because we know each other so long 
those things just tend to happen and we all know from oh yeah that is also okay it's not this wasn't how we planned it always the thoughts are like okay how can we build from here and oh we can add this and go on from where we are at that very moment and i think working together for a long time it makes it easier to do these kinds of things and that's something that i really appreciate and that's what i thought when hearing you both talk and reflecting on what i said it's like oh yeah that's a very nice extra yeah from all the years of input yeah it's it's the trust that you have in each other's capabilities and working together that you know in the end it will all be well yep another thing that you just said creating space is a topic that came up quite a lot around in this podcast with different people because that's something that art is really good at and the chilling with heritage we actually try to do a little bit extra literally with the chilling exercise creating space to let something happen and you cannot always control what happens but that's okay and sometimes those are the best moments just like you said also for me the creating space it resonates with the way we design our art classes we make for schools to work with themselves so we always say it's not about never-ending freedom it's freedom it's about a framework or making a playground where you know where there are borders, but within that there's infinite space to experiment and go through your own process. And that's what's happening here as well. So you know you have your plan, you have your framework, but in that there is freedom to play and I don't know, I had this little sentence, life is in the cracks of everything. <laughs> That's also where a lot of the magic happens. I love how the mutual trust broadens that space and makes it so much bigger. Yeah, and I think that because you mentioned in the first lesson with the artist, you named so many examples and I was like, whoa, this is not what I am used to. But the funny thing was none of my pupils took one from the examples they all went their own way i was like ah good so and that also shows the lessons we've done in the past i guess i think they've grown and they know that they can go their own way and create their own stuff and not build from an idea that somebody hands them they just go their own way and i think yeah that was very inspiring to see yeah yeah they trust themselves now they don't come to ask for permission anymore which is a good sign yeah exactly <laughs> So I would really like to thank you both for this nice conversation. I really enjoyed it. It's always a surprise how important it is sometimes to take the time and to reflect and talk about what you're actually doing while you're running around and trying to organize everything. So thank you. Likewise, of course. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, thank you, Klaas. Bye, everyone. As usual, you'll find all the links in the show notes. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping Into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this interview. If you liked what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review, and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Tapping Into Creativity is part of ITAPPD, which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership, professional development. We are currently building a model and training about partnership between teachers and artists in education. ITAPPD facilitates a place and time 
where we can jointly develop our understanding, expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behavior, development and language. If you want to know more about our project, please visit us on any social platform as i-tap-pd. This podcast was made possible by funding from the Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITAPD are the Education Center in Tralee, Center za Dramu u Edukaciji i Umetnosti, CDEU, Panelinio Dictio Yeto Theatros in Ekpedis, Stichting Copa, Kunsteducatie. We were your hosts, Linda and Manja, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yelda Shahidi. Hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day.